You're listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast, a product of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association. To learn more, visit our website at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. I'm Derek Dumlin, OBCA Vice President and Boys Basketball Coach at West Albany High School. Today, I'm joined by Kyle Cowan, Boys Basketball Coach at Portland Christian School and current OBCA President. Coach, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, Derek. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, I'd like to first just say thanks for doing this for, for uh, the coaches in Oregon. Um, you've done a great job with the, the podcast since we started it. So I've really appreciated listening to it and and kind of learning some coaches. So I'm glad to be here, and thank you for, for doing this. Yeah, thank you, Coach. Appreciate that. Uh, Coach, I want to start by giving you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of about your basketball journey and, and how you ended up as the boys basketball coach at Portland Christian. Yeah, uh, I always, you know, I always love talking about myself. This is an easy question, right? <laughs> no, um, I... uh I started coaching in, in 2001. Um, I played a year of college basketball at, at Cascade College in, in Portland. And after my freshman year, I kind of realized that I was not as good as I thought I was. Um, I think that, you know, I, I sat the bench. I didn't know what it meant to be a, a collegiate basketball player, and, and uh, but I still love the game. And um, so I went back to my high school at Eastland Christian. And uh, asked my my old coach Jim Hill if I could if I could assist him, and you know he had an opening as a JV head coach and varsity assistant. So I took that as a sophomore in college, and you know it was funny because it, you know I'd go coach the JV kids, um, and then I would go to the varsity practices, and I'd sit on the varsity bench, and some of those guys on varsity at that time were teammates of mine, you know, two years ago. So that was a really unique experience coaching friends, essentially, and, um, you know, getting to know them in a different way. But um, I really, really loved coaching the JV kids. That was probably one of my funnest years of coaching and uh, just learning the game and learning how to coach, but, you know, being around some some fun guys and, and that kind of thing. They're still great friends today. But anyway, so I went on to um, continue coaching there. I Stopped coaching JV that second year and had about five more years of just a varsity assistant with Jim at, at East Lynn with the boys program. And then uh, he and I kind of agreed, you know, he was trying to get out of coaching at that time. And, and I was really chomping at the bit to, to get a little bit more uh, responsibilities and experience. So we became co-head coaches for two years at the uh, at East Lynn Christian for the boys program. You know, we really had a great time doing that. It was interesting, you know, the first year he said, why don't you take the offense and I'll take the defense. And so we broke up practice that way. It was interesting. And then the next year we completely flipped and, you know, just trying to figure it out what would work and what wouldn't work. And, um, you know, we had, we had a lot of fun doing that together. I really appreciated my years um, coaching with Jim and, and being at the, you know, in the boys program at East Lynn. Um, after that year, so I think it was 2000, eight, nine season, I decided to uh, move on to the girls' side at Eastland Christian and coached girls for two years there. We had a, I was the athletic director there, and we had an opening that we were really struggling to fill. 
um, Jim had a really good hold on the boys program and, and, you know, he had decided he really wanted to stick it out there for a while longer. And so I thought, well, my chance at, you know, leading my own program, running, you know, my stuff, the, you know, instilling the things that I wanted to as the head of a program, my best chance was to just move to the girls' side. And uh, so Coach Girls for two years there, we did really well, had some really great girls that, you know, I, I really appreciated coaching them and, and um, you know, seeing them as they, you know, obviously grown up and their mothers now and some of them are, coaching some of them have been teaching and it's really it's really good to see their experiences as, as they've grown up too so uh after two years coaching the girls uh the boys job opened back up and uh, i moved back to the boys at eastland christian uh for for my final year there it was the 11 12 season um and i mean they were they were loaded that year we had um, a great group of, of kids who had basically They'd beaten um, the two teams in the state championship game that year. We had beaten two out of three times, played each of them three times, beat them two out of three times the year before I took them. And so, and we brought back every single kid but one. So it was, you know, uh, a really, I mean, I've often said a a monkey could have coached that team, you know, like anybody, (laughs) a warm body could have coached that team and done well. Um, we won the state championship because they, we just had incredible kids. And so that was, you know, a really great year in 2012 to have, to have done that. And, um, you know, I really cherish those memories of those guys and, and that year it was really special. But, um, at that time, I, you know, my wife and I had had a third child and really decided, and I needed to make a little bit more money than what private school was paying at the time. And, um, so I went into public education for two years, and I went over to Eastern Oregon. My wife is from Eastern Washington, so it kind of got us closer to her family. Um, I went to Stanfield High School uh, and was there for two years as their athletic director, and also I coached girls basketball there. Um, that was a program that, you know, when I took it, they, they had not won a lot in the last 15 years before I got there, I and mean, they were really struggling some oh and whatever seasons some one in 23 seasons you know it's just a really rough uh situation there but uh i coached that team for two years and um i really loved it you know i i, I enjoyed those those girls a lot they were great kids and uh, it was a good experience for me to to be on you know a different side of the game a little bit in terms of you know score differentials sometimes but um it was good <laughs> for me to to just experience that and, and learn a new way of teaching and a new way of motivation, right? And um, right. humbling also, I would add, you know, just to, oh, wait, I am not as good as I thought I was. It was, you know, it's, it's about, you know, learning how to how to teach kids in a different way and, and reach them. So uh, two years there, and, you know, as good as it was, I, I really – felt like my calling and, and my my position in life is to be in private education and you know my family I felt like they needed that my kids were in school and I wanted to get them back in private education for you know our faith reasons and, and all the reasons that you would be in a private Christian school so um, Portland Christian job opened up uh, oddly enough my friend from Eastland Christian Jim Hill who originally hired me was a principal at, at Portland Christian and he kind of enticed me over, and they had an athletic director job open, so I took that. There was no coaching at the time, but 
Uh, I assisted him again with girls for a year here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I, you know, I really couldn't give it up. I wanted to stay in the game and stay, you know, teaching basketball and, and involved in kids' life, lives in that way. And after a year here, the boys' job opened up, and so I took the boys' job. So now I've been here since uh, coaching the boys' team since, uh, let's see, the 15-16 season. Um, and, you know, it's been fun again, really taking my roots into a program. Um, I've, you know, as you kind of have learned, you know, I've been – couple years here a couple years there you know with teams and here it's now been um this will be year six with my my boys program here at portland christian and i have really enjoyed you know like i said just really rooting my uh beliefs my um core core values goals or you know whatever i, I want to instill in these kids here at, at bc so that's my basketball journey um it's been an interesting one, but this is year 20. I'm, I'm excited to get it going. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to ask you about, you know, because I got to coach girls as well, and, and now I'm mm-hmm. on the boys' side. And one of the questions I always get asked is the difference. What's the difference between coaching girls and coaching boys? So what were some of the differences that, that you noticed between the two, and, and how did you maybe alter or adjust your coaching to fit the needs of, of each? Yeah. Um, so it, when I was first asked to coach girls basketball at East Lynn, I kind of met that with a no way <laughs> in my mind, you know, I, I, I thought there's no way that could happen, you know, cause I, I would watch games at, you know, at our level, the two way level. And, you know, the game would slow down quite a bit for girls versus boys. And I thought there's, I just can't do it. I can't, there's no way, but, when I committed to doing that at East Lynn and then, you know, doing it at Stanfield and, and the year here at Fort Christian, man, I think I enjoy, um, if I were just to take it as basketball, I would, I enjoy coaching girls uh, more than coaching boys because I feel like you're coaching uh, a little bit more. Your um, girls will take you so literally in how you teach them. And if you say, hey, we're going to run this set, and this is the look we're going to get, that's the look you're going to get every time. You know, they're not going to try and manipulate it. And so I feel like as a coach, it's more of a chess match, and you're you're kind of positioning kids where you think that they're going to be most successful and running these things here to make it work right because they're going to run it to a tee. <clears throat> Boys, I think, um, are a little bit more independent, and in, I've always said they always think they can do it better. And so – they're, you know, they're going to take your advice as a suggestion rather than a mandate, and they're going to, they're going to do what they want to do, um, and you have to show them why it's better to do it this way, you know, or whatever. So that's kind of the difference that I've seen, and I have enjoyed coaching girls a lot. And if it weren't for the fact that uh, um, I was, I was a young man, and I can relate to what young men are going through, that that helps me a lot because. That's what puts me more, I think, into the boys' side. Uh, I I can relate to what they're going through as a young man, what they're going through as a school day and growing up as a, you know, 17-year-old and how, how they are learning their way. Um, coaching girls, it was a lot harder to relate to that, to know what they're really going through. And so uh, that's my biggest difference, though, is just the strategy of the game. Um, but I thought I, the game doesn't change in terms of, yeah, you're still trying to score. You still can run the same defenses and offenses and whatever. You have the same expectations. Um, 
It's just the the way in which it's executed, I think, is a little different. I, one story I'll tell, tell you. So I had a girl. We were in a in the state playoff um, at Eastland, and we were running a, a you know up and down court. And this girl had been open for a three point shot um, every trip up the court. You know, she was just open, and she runs by me, and I I holler at her, say, "You got to shoot the ball," and she just catches that. She looks at me, kind of like, you know, hedges her head over a little bit. I said, you've got to shoot. And she just shoots. More. I mean, it's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I didn't mean just shoot it now. I meant when you're open, you've got to shoot. But it was like this, oh, he told me to shoot. I'm going to shoot. You know, and that's like, right. that is what coaching girls is. Uh, it, but for I, I enjoyed that much more, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, most of your experience has been at, at smaller schools, obviously mostly in at the at private schools with a couple of years in the public mm-hmm. sector. I'm curious, what are some challenges that maybe you have faced as a smaller school coach um, that maybe some of the big schools don't have to deal with, and, and how do you kind of adjust and, and uh, make those work for your program? Yeah, well, first, I mean, let, let's just address the first thing you mentioned, private and public. There's a huge difference in coaching and working in a, in a private and public institution. Um, in a private school, you know, you have you are basically um, a business, and the, the customers are the parents who are paying you for for some level of service. So there's a there's a different type of um, relationship with parents and kids and families than than there is in a public school. Um, that alone is, is a whole different topic. But small school, uh, big school, I would say on a yearly basis, um, my talent level is uh, a very wide spectrum. So um, I could have a, a really, really, really talented kid and uh, then I could have a first-year kid that's never played basketball and because I have, let's say, 15 to 20 kids in my program, they may all have to be practicing in the gym at the same time and, you know, sharing, you know, guarding each other at times. And, I mean, so I always tell coaches, you know, as an athletic director, when I interview them, whether it's basketball, soccer, baseball, whatever, is that's the biggest challenge is your spec, your, your spectrum of kids on your team is so drastic, so different. Uh, you have to differentiate how you teach and coach even in the same day. And in the same, you might say something to one kid and something else to some other kid, you know, right after it because they're all there together. That talent pool is not quite as condensed as it may be in a, in a larger school. Um, and we are dependent upon those kids playing, uh, those low, lower talented kids because they make up our JV teams and, and, you know, um, we beg them to come out to fulfill those teams. And so I think that's the biggest um, challenge is learning how to coach your coach as a varsity coach to a broader spectrum of kids. Um, the other, I think, is because you don't have the talent pool that maybe a larger school does, you have to um, create more opportunities for the, the players. So you can't be dependent upon them to create their own, right? And so – in your situation at West Albany, I mean, I don't know you two very well, but you probably have kids that can create opportunities for themselves to score. I maybe have one of those kids on the court, 
at, at any given time. And the rest of them, I have to create it for them through whether it's design sets or giving them specific tools to, to score. That's, I think, in my, I haven't coached a big school. I never played at a big school. But I think that's the biggest challenge and difference uh, between them. For sure. Do you guys cut kids at, at PC, or is it if you want to play, you get to play? Yeah, we don't do any cuts here. Um, yeah. I'll just create more create more teams if we have that opportunity. So, you know, I'm, right. I think it's good. Uh, you know, again, that's, a, I think, a private public school difference. Here, if you want to play, we're going to create an opportunity for you in, in any sport, in anything. You know, we're going to find ways to make that happen because uh, we owe it to our customer, right? That's part of being a private school. But, um, right. yeah, we don't cut kids. We we encourage kids to play, and um, you know, I mean, I've got a baseball team right now. I know it's a basketball podcast, but being an athletic director, I've got a baseball team right now with eleven kids on it, and that's every kid playing baseball in high school. That's not, oh, then I also have a JV team. No, I have eleven kids, and for my my high school basketball team that is going to be starting here on Monday, I think I can have, I can I have twelve committed kids. I'm going to go to the halls. I'm going to try and beat out two or three more. Get them to come out so I can create a JV team. So that's what we're working with. Yeah, a little different, a little different yep. than uh, some of the six A schools that'll have a hundred kids try out, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little different. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. What are some lessons that you've learned so far from either side, you know, whether it's public, private, um, mm-hmm. girls, boys, um, that have maybe kind of changed the way you coach or things that you keep in mind while you're coaching uh, during the season? Yeah. So I think, you know, when I started coaching uh, that JV team for Eastland, um, it was about me trying to provide those kids the same experience that I had, right? Like I was there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm I'm coaching because I love the game of basketball because this is what I learned and this is how I played. And so you're going to do the same thing because I want you to experience the exact same thing I did because obviously I enjoyed it, right? And so mm-hmm. that kind of drove how I coached. I think now partly because, you know, partly being a parent and having kids of my own and seeing, you know, their fulfillment and enjoyment in sports and what, they glean from it has helped me understand I think, the bigger picture of coaching and you know it's more for me at this point it's more for me about helping these young men uh, learn who they are um, become better uh, better people as they as they go through my program I think I'm more intentional about how I approach things like leadership how I approach things like you know, uh, their faith being a Christian school, how I approach things about, you know, what it means to be a good um, young man, become a father, become a husband, um, as well as basketball, right? I'm still doing the same thing that I did when I was coaching, the you know, years ago with, hey, this is my expectations for um, how we're going to conduct ourselves playing basketball. I mean, we're going to give 100%. We're going to we're going to go after it. We're going to, you know, I'm going to hold the same principles and the same ideas that I had originally. But now I feel like I've, I've taken on the ideas and concepts that hey, this is more than just X's and O's. It's more than basketball. If I can make it um, a growth in their character development, that's what, that's where I've taken things now. And where, where I put my energy is in that because the rest of it at this point in, you know, year 20 of coaching, 
I, I know what I'm supposed to teach. I know how to teach the game well enough to, to make these guys better basketball players, but uh, I want to make them better people at the same time. Yeah. Do you do anything specifically? Is that just something that you do maybe throughout practice, games, or do you, like, set yeah. aside time to go over maybe those character lessons and, and things of that nature? Yeah, so uh, we do set aside some time. Um, I purchased Lead 'em Up as a as a program or for our whole athletic department a year ago, which is oh great, you know, uh, nobody's looked into that. It's a great leadership program that basically gives you lesson plans where you can attack different character uh, characteristics of leadership. And you know, one of them we did this last year was called Slippery Stone, where I had a, a jar of marbles and. After every practice or game, we take a marble out, kind of symbolizing, hey, this, you have a, uh, a set time with each other from from here on out, and, and as soon as this jar is out, we're done. So make the most of what you have, right? And so there was, you know, those kind of things that we do. Um, I have really enjoyed trying to be more of a storyteller at times and, and create mm-hmm. um, uh, situations that, from my own life that, that I feel like kids can relate to. Um, and help them understand hey, there's there's things that are going to happen throughout your life. And here's an example of this, that, you know, helping them kind of see how basketball can translate into life. And so um, here's, here's, here's a good story for you. So um, I didn't plan on this, Derek, but thanks for pulling it out of me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the very first games we had a couple of years ago, I, I told the story of when I was a kid. So I grew up in Sweet Home. I grew up, you know, on a uh, you know, farm. We had horses and, and, uh, and other animals. And my dad and I would always go um, in the woods. We'd take horses and mules and ride into the woods. My dad's a big hunter. and um, So I got – I was the youngest of the children in my family. I always got stuck with the smallest animal. I got stuck with this mule a lot of times. His name was Buddy, and Buddy was awesome. Like, he just kind of followed everybody. And so as the youngest, I was in the back on Buddy just moving along the line uh, and Buddy would you know, sometimes slow down and I would have to kick him and we'd get caught up to everybody. But the one thing that Buddy had was when he hated backpackers. And so if we were on the trail in the woods and we'd be going along and there'd be this backpacker walking your way, he would freak out and there was nothing I could do. And he would tear off into the woods, like just beeline down down a hill that you could not control him and I'm ducking and dodging branches and trying to avoid anything so I don't get knocked off because I get knocked off who knows where he ends up my dad would be out in front and he would say Kyle is backpackers watch out not brace for the worst right and we would be gone mm-hmm. and so my point to telling my team this story was hey, this is our first game, and there's going to be some things that are going to completely derail you and take you off the path that we've planned on, right? And you've got to find a way to calm it down and bring it back to the path and just get back moving like we want want in this game. And, you know, just things that can help them grasp that there's, you know, this is not just a basketball situation. There's things that happen in your life all the time that can derail you from what your your goal is. And, understanding how to bring things back to normal, even though it's going to be chaos for a little bit. you got to ride that out sometimes, but you're going to get back on, on the path. So things that I can do to help kids, uh, I love telling stories. I love doing that. I love, um, 
you know, bringing in somebody as a guest speaker and, and letting them talk to, to kids about, you know, their experiences in life and what they've learned through sports. Uh, those are the kind of the ways that I do that. Yeah, that's awesome. How are you approaching this upcoming season that, that starts on Monday? You know, it's going to be really strange, six weeks, a lot of games, limited practice. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what does that look like for you guys, and how are you maybe adapting or uh, modifying expectations for for players yeah. in your program? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that the expectations uh, will change. I mean, we're going to expect the same out of kids, the commitment level out of kids, is, you know. The only caveat to that, I guess, would be, you know, seniors who, you know, or people, I guess not just seniors, people who have, you know, vacations that were already planned when there was not uh, a, a known season, right? Like last week, I don't think we yeah. were planning on having a season. So um, <laughs> I think that's maybe the only expectation piece that would be different. But, um, I mean, you and I were talking before this that, you know, both of us have kids playing other sports and obviously being a small school, um, I think I have one or two kids that, are not doing a spring sport. So for the first, you know, week, week and a half, however long it's going to take before those spring sport kids join us, we're going to do practices, but in a much different way. It's going to be more of shooting practice, more of just get in the gym and get shocked up. So I don't hurt those kids. So we don't run into a situation where they're jeopardizing their spring season, but we're going to still provide them, you know, opportunities to get better at basketball. And so that's going to be, you know, for the first couple of weeks where we're going with that, um, I know throughout this year we're going to have limited time to really develop our systems and, our, you know, what we're trying to do. And um, I'm going to simplify things significantly uh, as a coach for what we're doing because I don't think they, they have the bre- bandwidth to, you know, <laughs> grasp all the concepts that we normally would. We just have the time frame to get that in. So that's going to be my, I think, adjustment as a coach is just, simplify it, give them only the pieces they really need to, to work with, and then, man, it's going to feel a lot like summer basketball, uh, a glorified summer basketball. Like, what can we do during the timeout? <laughs> Honestly, like, <laughs> hey, how can we make this adjustment in the timeout? Um, because all of a sudden the team's running something that we haven't prepared for because we didn't have time to prepare for it. So, right. um, yeah, that's kind of the only adjustments I think that I've got going on, uh, I think it's going to be a, a huge learning experience for every coach and player this year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it'll be the whole season will be like we're on buddy coach. I think that might be a good way to. Yeah, there you go. There you to go. describe how the season is going to go. <laughs> good old buddy. <laughs> yep, that's right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll return with more from Coach Callen right after this on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. The start of school means it's time to sign up or renew your Oregon Basketball Coaches Association membership. OBCA membership includes access to exclusive resources that help personalize instruction, understand players' mindsets, and maximize the impact of your practices. Members also receive access to the OBCA mentoring program and have a voice in improving the game at the state level. Membership starts at just $15 a year. Register online today at or.nhsbca.org. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Derek Duman here with Coach Kyle Cowan. 
Uh, Coach, I want to kind of change gears a little bit here. Uh, you do serve as the OBCA president, so I want to ask you a little bit about the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association uh, and give you an opportunity to kind of tell listeners what is the OBCA doing right now and, and what, where do you see the OBCA moving forward? Yeah, so you know, this is a great uh, way to get the information of OBCA out to coaches. Um, you know, we were started about 2016-ish, and uh, Pat Coons had a great vision. I remember sitting at a team camp with him at Oregon State talking about this idea of how can we bring coaches together. And I know he, his vision was really unifying coaches in a way where we can support one another. And so I feel like since we started officially, at, since that time, we've we began, you know, what learning ourselves as a board of uh, the OBCA board, what can we do that really is impactful for for coaches, for basketball in Oregon. And, you know, we've ran into some roadblocks here and there, but we've also, you know, learned what we can and, and can't change, what we need to focus our efforts in. Um, you know, I think right now we're working on a, a number of things. I mean, obviously, our clinic is a huge deal that we do every year, and we're going to continue with that. Um, we started the golf tournament this year. I mean, you started the golf tournament, Derek, but uh, that was your your vision, your idea, and it was a phenomenal experience. But I think that is a great way for coaches to get to know one another and, and just build a coaching community in Oregon. I mean, there was coaches there from Eastern Oregon, from Southern Oregon, from the metro area, from the valley, everywhere, um, where they, you know, got to know one another. That's that's a great – I hope we can build on that um, experience. Um, This podcast is another way for coaches. I mean, like I mentioned at the beginning, uh, I've grown as a coach just listening, you know, and and hearing other coaches' opinions. I mean, uh, I know you just just interviewed um, Mike. Crawford and uh, you know that guy in my mind is a legend and being able to um, just hear how he handles things and does things and that's incredible experience right and so the more people take advantage of those things is, is great um, we have the, the OACA slash OBCA uh, all-star game which you know we really want to build on that and um, we ha- we're working with the National High School Basketball Coach Association on the June recruiting weekend and how we can provide those opportunities for kids. So I think, you know, where we started was we really wanted to make all these drastic changes in Oregon, not drastic, I shouldn't say that, but changes in Oregon basketball. And what we've learned is that takes time. And what we can do now is focus our efforts on, hey, let's mentor coaches as best we can. Let's uh, provide opportunities for kids. Let's make our coaches better and build this community of coaches. Because, I think at the end of the day, the goal of the OBCA would be really to um, to just be the avenue for basketball change uh, or basketball development and growth in Oregon. Uh, that's what my goal would be: is, is if we can get to a point where when people want to see, um, you know, a change in the game, where people want to see coaches grow, where people want to see players. Uh, developed and recognized that they see the OBCA is the way to get that done. Not because we're going to do it on our own, but because we can unify what coaches want 
and streamline that and put that, you know, forward to both OACA and OACA, OSAA and OADA. My wife laughs at me all the time about all the acronyms for <laughs> the associations in Oregon, but, oh, yeah. um, you know, that they're, that's part of the problem. I think people just don't know where to go for things, right? Mm-hmm. And how to get better. So we hope that we can be that avenue to, to really channel people's ideas and, and efforts to, to grow the game. Yeah, this last year, you know, you talked about NHSBCA, that's the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, uh, teamed up with, with Lucio Sports, uh, and mm-hmm. started offering some pretty cool membership benefits. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to and, and maybe let people know that maybe haven't started using them? Maybe they're members that don't know what they are, or maybe they're not members, but should yeah. become members, um, based on some of the benefits that, that they offer and uh, what they are and, and how they can help. For sure. So, first of all, if they aren't a member, you should be. Not because I'm the president or because, you know, Derek and I are on the board here, but, uh, but man, the benefits we are able to provide through Lucio, and, and I'll get into that in a second, they're just, they're ridiculously awesome. So, um, if you are a member, it's, first of all, so $15 to become a member uh, of the OBCA. 15 That's easy. It's 30 if you are not a member of the OACA. The only reason for that is we want to push people to the OACA first. Obviously, their gold card, their insurance, all the things that they offer is phenomenal. So we want to push people there first and then, hey, tack on an extra $15 and pay us. And, and what you get is um, the it's, it's the NHS BCA playbook app, and it's a predictive drawing uh, app on a, you know, for an iPad. Um, or, or a cell phone, you can, you can basically go in, draw your place, um, and it will pretty much to a T self-predict timing, what action that is. So you just draw it like, hey, I put my players on the court. It looks just like a whiteboard. I put my players on the court. You know, I may draw a line from my point guard to the, to the shooting guard, and it's going to realize, well, the point guard had the ball. That line's a pass and it's going to make that line of the pass. And then I'm going to take that one and I'm going to cut him down to the block next to wherever my, you know, my five man is. And they're going to realize, okay, he passed the ball and now he moved down here. So that's a screen, right? Or, I mean, it just self-predicts everything that is you're drawing as you're drawing it. And when you're done, you hit play and it almost uh, has it completely timed out for you in an animated, in an animated way. Um, you know, you might have to adjust here or there, but it really, uh, for a, a, uh, resource for plays and drawing your plays and getting a, a library of your sets and the different things you're doing, it's a phenomenal, uh, program for that. I mean, uh, you're paying $150, $200 for comparative program, uh, programs that you might buy and this is $15 essentially. And you get this. Um, there's also games you can play with your kids, like, get your kids access, they can go in and, and do a predict the next action play. They can do, you know, what's this play called? And and they can play almost like an interactive game for them, for them, for them. They're learning the, your sets, your offenses. You can use it as a scouting tool. You can use it for whatever you want. Um, it's an incredible program for the, for the money that we're, 
we're putting in, right? And so that's the, mm-hmm. the biggest benefit. Also on that um, <clears throat> portal, membership portal is what I like to call it. You get things like their career development uh, pages, articles, uh, different ways in which you, you can learn about career development from people across the country. People put in different information into the into the, this portal because we're kind of tied now to the national level with these things. So there's clinics across the country. There's, you know, what is some strategy pieces about learning different strategies for the game, some team building exercises, some, some uh, relationship building, just all sorts of pieces inside that portal. And if you are a member and haven't realized that, that's, the benefit of becoming a member um you just go onto our web page there's a login button at the top you hit that and you log in and man, you have access to all these incredible resources that i think uh for for 15 dollars you're you're getting a steal really yeah and i know that i'll just add on to that a little bit i know that you know, lucio sports um helps with a majority I think almost every NBA team uses yep. the same yep. playbook app to teach mm-hmm. their players whether they've been traded or, you know, whatever. They come to a 10-day. Um, that's what they use to help them learn and teach them their playbook, which yeah. I would say is super helpful this year especially, like oh, your time yeah. with not, not much time. So. Yep. And I'm guaranteeing that the Toronto Raptors didn't pay $15 for that. <laughs> they're paying a lot more. <laughs> no, yes, yeah, <laughs> very true. That's very true. Cool. Um, if coaches want to get involved with the OBCA, obviously as members they can sign up online. But maybe, what if they want to be a little more involved? Maybe they want to serve on the board or, or help out with an event. How can how can they go about doing that? Yeah, I mean just. First, let us know. I mean, we we love people that are involved and and want to take action and be a part of this. Um, We don't want it to be ruled by, like, just a few people making decisions for everybody. That's never the goal. And, in fact, we we set it up so that, you know, it was almost like a two-year turnaround and we're trying to get new new faces in. Um, Pat, Pat Coons, like I said, was started this, and, you know, he was our president for a few years, and then, um, I I became president this last fall, and, you know, I don't intend to be doing this for, for another 10 years. Like, I just want to – I want other people to experience this. We want other people's voices. I, I fully expect Derek will be president very soon. You know, I mean, we're just going to – we're going to go through, and, and it's not that we want to just have all this change all the time, but we want coaches to feel like they have a voice, and it's not a good old boys club where it's just the same people making decisions all the time for everybody else. So – if you're interested in being involved, I would suggest you email either myself or or you, Derek, and we get mm-hmm. your name in there. Um, you can email us personally. You can email the OBCA email, which is Oregon Basketball Coaches at gmail dot com, and that that's a way to get your name in there. And you know, even if you're not a member of our board, um, we'd still invite you to come to meetings. And, um, you know, I love to have input uh, from any coach, girls, boys. Small school, big school, um, it doesn't matter. We we really want coaches to be involved and engaged. And so, by all means, if there's if you have interest, please reach out. Yeah, yeah. And another thing too for for coaches, I would suggest we have area representatives. And you know, maybe mm-hmm. you're you know living in Southern Oregon and you don't want to drive up to a meeting or whatever. But you know, Brian Morse, for example, down mm-hmm. there, you know, 
you could have Southern Oregon meetings, talk about Southern Oregon basketball, and, yeah. and then we can serve as a resource for, for people as well. Um, yeah, you know, during, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I can't remember if it was during COVID or not, but when we talked a little bit about doing some different things regionally. I think we were going to do mm-hmm. clinics regionally or, or youth, that's what, youth clinics regionally, right? And, yeah. And uh, those area reps were going to kind of connect with coaches and, you know, COVID has, has killed a lot of those plans, but I hope to bring them back soon and, and uh, um, we can, we can do that again. But, you know, yeah, area reps, we have people, I mean, look on our website to know exactly who they are, but there's people in, in all areas of Oregon that you can reach out to and experience coaches that um, know the game and, and also can provide some mentorship to you too. Absolutely. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, when the OBCA first started and, and trying to uh, be kind of the source for change in, in uh, high school basketball. Are you hearing anything either from the national level or even from OSAA? Um, are there any changes coming, anything the OBCA is pushing for in terms of high school hoops in the next couple of seasons? Yeah, I mean, so uh, we've, we've heard rumors about a shot clock for years, right? And I don't know where that's exactly going to go. I know that uh, it did – the shot clock did – pass I think the rules committee with NFHS but it has to go before their board to be changed and adopted before it's adopted nationally um, I know in Oregon we've had that conversation for years and whether you know it's just an option to add it in Oregon or it's a mandate I don't know but that's that's obviously a change that um, that is coming and uh, I don't know of any other massive uh changes for the game happening nationally yet other than our you know just the recruiting stuff that is happening for division one athletes and that I think is a phenomenal change putting it back into high school coaches hands and we're really trying um, with the NHSBCA and, and our state association along with other state associations trying to provide great experiences for those athletes because we love our high school coaches being involved in that yeah absolutely all right, we're going to take another break. When we return, Coach Cowan will try to beat the shot clock here on the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Stay up to date with the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association on social media at facebook.com slash OregonBCA or on Twitter at ORHoopCoaches. Welcome back to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. We're talking with Kyle Cowan from Portland Christian School. Uh, Coach, for my next set of questions, I'm going to put you up against the shot clock. So I'm going to put 35 seconds on the timer. Uh, Rapid fire. You've heard this before, seen it before. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we'll see how many questions we can get through in 35 seconds. Sound good? You got it. All righty. Timer starting now. Should Oregon high school basketball have a shot clock? Yes. Implemented at the sub-varsity levels? I'm up for debate on that one, but I would say probably not at this point. You're up three points with less than 10 seconds. Do you foul? No. Favorite way to guard on-ball screens? Uh, I like to hedge them high and make them dribble, uh, take a different angle off of it. Is a favorite coaching book? 
Uh, no, I don't. I'm not a big reader, Derek. Sorry. Oh, there you go. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, time's up, but I like to ask every coach, what's one word officials would use to describe you? <laughs> um, <clears throat> respectful. I'm respectful of officials. Let's put it that way. I don't, I don't ever talk okay. to officials unless it's a really egregious problem. I just let, <laughs> let it play out. There you go. You're a better man for it, coach, I'm sure. <laughs> We all we all plan on being that way, and then and it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Yeah. Sometimes, so. I know. Yeah. I'm trying to model for my kids as best I can. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Cool. Well, Coach, I know obviously you know you and I have talked uh, before, but uh, I know you're in favor of the shot clock. Can Can you kind of elaborate on on why that is? Yeah. So I mean, hey, I've used this to my advantage, and it's been used against me at times where. You know, the, the time's running out at the end of a quarter, especially at the end of a game, and a, there's a minute left. Let's, you know, at the end of the sec, first quarter, let's hold the ball. Or the end of the second quarter, right before halftime, you're you're up by three, um, and you just really want to hold the ball and maintain that three-point lead, which is, you know, in our current rules, a great strategy. Um, or at the end of a game when you're – you know, you're up by, hey, I get up by seven with five minutes left. I'm going to really slow it down and really make the team play me. And, you know, I've used it. It's been used against me. Um, I The state championship game I won in uh, 2012, we won um, 36 to 32. And I had beat that, beat that same team about two, three weeks earlier in district championship game by 30 points. And it was because mm-hmm. they just, they came into the championship game, their strategy, which worked great to them because we were fortunate to win, um, was slow it down and, and just eat the clock as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> here's why I think it's good, though, because you, it forces teams to play in those moments. And I would, as a coach, as an athlete, as a spectator, you know, I want kids to play. I want them to play it out. And I realized that that may put the more athletic team to the advantage, but I would rather let the kids play and, and have that experience. So I don't think that in a normal season, normal game, anything like that, that the shot clock really comes into play until end of quarter uh, or end of game situations when it forces kids to, to score, forces kids to get stops. Um, and I like that. I like that strategy a lot better than I mean, on paper, I would rather have, you know, a chance at winning a game I shouldn't, but, um, mm-hmm. by, by holding the ball, but I don't, as a coach, I just don't think that's right. That's not the right way right. to do it for kids. Right. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree with you. I think it also rewards defense a little bit too, which, um, mm-hmm. feels like it's getting harder, harder and harder to reward <laughs> yeah. when you've yeah. good defense. So, but. for sure. What's uh what's maybe the strangest thing that you've seen in a in a basketball game or or gymnasium? <laughs> uh just a couple years ago, uh there was a five overtime JV game right before my game. That was an interesting experience and uh I I will own part of that because I it was um my JV coach was playing against a team that we had never beaten since you know he and, he and I had been there and he was up and in a regulation and 
his, his ball under the basket, under the opposing team's basket. And mm-hmm. I was sitting on his bench, and I said, hey, you want to win this game? And he said, yeah. And then, listen, let's do this. <laughs> and I totally screwed it up for him. So they <laughs> they ended up uh, turning the ball over, and, you know, the other team scored, and it went into the first overtime, and then it was four more overtimes after that. So, uh, and then we ended up losing. But uh, so mm-hmm. I kind of – I kind of screwed that one up, but um, that was the strangest thing to just watch a JV kid battle for for another five over for five overtimes. You know, a game and a half basically yeah. of what they played yeah. was crazy. Yeah, holy smokes! Yeah, I was gonna say that's another yeah, almost two and a half quarters, right? Yeah. yeah, four minutes in overtime. Yeah, like mm-hmm. and your swingers got all their extra quarters in. <laughs> yeah, right? they were exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Do you work? I'm, I'm sure you know. As all coaches, we work on special situations in practice. But do you have like a go-to situation that you guys like to practice, or a specific couple that you like to to work on? Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, we we do practice all sorts of different special situations. Whether it's you know what it, what does it look like after a timeout, or what does it look like after free throws, or you know, oh, you know, what is a you're up at this point in the game? What are you doing? But I just learned this, you know, I coached, when I took over the job at Portland Christian, I um, asked a really great, great man, Rich Remsburg, who was the coach here at Portland Christian from 1966 until 2003. Long time coach. I asked him to be my assistant uh, for a lot of reasons, but one, I just wanted to learn from him too. And one of the first uh, games we had, he says to me, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, the jump ball and, and what you can do there and I was like yeah yeah I mean we obviously have plays off a tip and he said and he's like okay well let me get you to think about this so he talked about how to position kids on a tip and where it it puts the other team to have to react to you I mean oftentimes right you're going we're going to put kids here we're going to have this tip play we're going to try and score we're going to try how about put positioning kids where um, they the, the opposing team then has to, like, how do we guard this? So one thing he did was he just put them all in a line. He put, you know, yeah, a guy in the middle jumping, one guy on the circle mm-hmm. in front of him, one guy on the circle behind him, and one guy at the, the free throw line, and one guy at the other free throw line. You just straighten the line. And as the mm-hmm. opposing team, you look at that, and you, now they have to match up to you, right? Because right. if they don't, we're going to tip it all the way to the guy in front and get a free layup, or we're going to tip it all the way to the guy in back and just be our ball. I mean, it's just uh, those kind of special situations mm-hmm. where you make people react to to you, I really uh, those are fun to to work on. Yeah, yeah, I like that. How do you go about selecting your team captains? Um, well, I I kind of let it just happen. Um, I will tell you honestly, I don't put a ton of value into team captains because they're as a it's more of a just a formality for me and in the games, um, you know, who's going to talk to the rest before the, before the, the game starts, except for this year, right? We don't get to have team captain meetings with the way that's with COVID and all, but, um, uh, you know, that's kind of what it is. But otherwise, my kids don't talk to the officials during the games. I mean, like I said, we're trying to be respectful when I talked about that, describing me. So, I mean, I'll, I'll do the talking to the officials if there's an issue. So, um, really, I kind of, value everybody as captains in a way. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, but I I would expect the same out of my number one kid 
and as my number 12 kid, right? In terms of the way they act, the way they carry themselves, the way they motivate and challenge everybody on the team. So I don't put a ton of stock into it. Um, oftentimes it kind of settles itself with who's the team captains, um, which are kids who've been in the program a long time and know my expectations and that's who it is. That's similar to, I think, lead em ups philosophy a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't use it with my, I haven't used it with my team yet, but I've been looking into it and they have a podcast, yeah. um, that I've yep. been listening to a little bit. And the idea is that everybody should know how to lead. Yep. Right. So. Yep. Uh, yeah. And Adam, Adam Bradley, who does that, you know, that podcast and has the program lead em up. I mean, yeah, he has some really great stuff there on character development and leadership and what does that look like in a, in a team scenario. So that's kind of what we go after. That's right, us. Yeah. Do you have a favorite team bonding activity you like to do with your kids? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple. So first, I mean, I don't think we're going to be able to do it this year, either one of them. But um, the first one is I, I have a practice, you know, maybe we have a week of practice or whatever. We kind of get through the first little bit and, establish who's on the varsity team and whatnot. And then I have them over to my house. Um, and my wife and, you know, kind of, and I put together a dinner for, for everybody. And we eat and we talk and have a great time and talk about the season, what expectations they have, what, you know, kind of things we're going to be trying to accomplish as a group. And, and then we just kind of hang out. And, you know, that really, I feel like sets the tone for, you know, what my, program stands for i mean we're we're there to be be with each other to support one another to talk about things that we want to see happen and what we can do together to make those things happen and so um i really love those times and uh it it's been fun to open up my home to them and have them come in and do that uh the other is you know we love going to a team camp in the summer um i i take my guys every year and if you ask them like what's their favorite part about Playing basketball, Portland Christian, I bet you every one of them would say going to team camp. We go somewhere. Uh, I've been going to Eastern Washington for the past, you know, three or four years. But, you know, we'll go to Idaho. We'll go to Eastern Washington. We'll go somewhere uh, where it's warm, <laughs> where we can, you know, be outside, swim or whatever. Uh, my in-laws, like I said, live in Eastern Washington. And they have a really big house and, and a pool. And um, they've been super accommodating, my guys. We go there and we spend the night. And uh, just hang out, swim, have a good time, and then, you know, the team camp the rest of the week. And uh, it's a really good time for everybody. Yeah. That's great. Uh, what's your favorite drill? Yeah, um, I love <clears> – <throat> so, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, score, stop, score. So you, you score and, and then get a stop and score again, and that's, you know uh, – what they're trying to accomplish in a game. How many of those times can you have happen in a game it increases your chances of winning. So what I do um, is I just call it score stop. So we have, you know, I break them up into two teams. We uh, start under a basket and I, I just, I shoot it and I tell them, Hey, whoever gets it, whatever team gets it's going the other way. And so the white team or the black team gets it, you know, you're, you're now on offense and you take off. You're trying to score. We're using our sets and our stuff. We're not just playing. We're we're organized, and a lot of times I try and get the kids to organize themselves and say, "Hey, let's run this set because we know we have this mismatch or we have this opportunity." And so they go down, they try and score, and then the other team rebounds, comes back against them. So we just go one possession down and back. And if you uh, if you score 
and then get a stop, you get a point. If you, you know, if you're on defense first, you stop and get a point. Or you stop and then you come down and score, you get a point. If you trade baskets or trade stops, nobody scores. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's just breaking it down to its most simplest form. Like, you want to win a game of basketball, you have to get a stop and you got to score. You have to do that more than the other team. And so, uh, we played a three. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that game will take you, you know, three three possessions, down and back, and then I shoot it again, down and back, and you shoot it again, down and back, and it's over because the other team was that much more uh, engaged or that much more purposeful in how they're trying to score. Or it might take us 30 minutes because they're so competitive. And I love those moments when they're both getting stops or they're both scoring or whatever because they're just being so intentional about what they're doing. And that's the whole point is let's compete to the best we can with with purpose in mind and uh, not just go up and down and, oh, shoot, we didn't score that time or, you know, whatever, like, well, we didn't get that stop. No, let's, it should mean something when you don't score or when you don't get a stop. It should hurt. There should be, a pro, you know, an issue there. So that's my favorite drill. I think it really solidifies what we're trying to accomplish every time we have the ball or not when we're on defense, every possession. Yeah. And you let your kids determine the set that they're going to run? Or do you yeah, sometimes, sometimes, most, yeah. most of the time, yes. There may be a day where, you know, hey, we're really emphasizing zone stuff today. So I'll mm-hmm. say we're running, you know, you guys are, we're going to face somebody who's playing a, you know, a 3-2 zone. So we're going to just run 3-2 zone every time. Or, you know, maybe we really need to work on this grouping of our, our set. So we're just, I'm going to limit you to these three or four options. Or sometimes I leave it wide open, both defensively and offensively. So, I tailor it to whatever we're doing, uh, whatever our emphasis is that day. Right. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks, Coach. Really appreciate you joining mm-hmm. us today. That's all I got for you. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Derek. Like I said at the beginning, man, I really appreciate these podcasts. I really appreciate the idea you had. And this has been great for everybody. Not not mine, everybody else's. <laughs> all the other podcasts <laughs> have been phenomenal. For sure. Thank you. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions or want to get a hold of Coach Cowan, you can find his contact information in the episode description. This will be our last episode for a while as High School Hoops officially starts tomorrow. Uh, new episodes will begin sometime in July. Don't forget you can listen to every episode of the podcast at anchor.fm slash OVCA or by subscribing to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We wish you all the best of luck with the upcoming season. Until next time, coach him up. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Basketball Coaches Podcast. Is there a coach you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like to hear us discuss? You can write us a message on the Anchor website or send us an email at OregonBasketballCoaches at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify.